Let's talk to interesting people. Let's talk about the process of seeing things differently. Let's talk about the craft of molding truth and fiction together to arrive at something new and exciting. And let's have fun while doing it. Welcome to the True Fiction Podcast. Welcome to the True Fiction Podcast, where we dive deep into the minds of incredibly talented and creative individuals and try to unravel the mysteries behind their inspirations. I'm your host, Patrick Boggs, and joining me on this fantastic journey is our co-host of True Fiction, the uncanny Norbert Yates and the astounding Marshall. How's it going tonight, fellas? It's a bumpy ride today. We've got a little air turbulence, but I think we're going to make it through. Doing good, doing good. Surviving the rain. Yes, onward through the fog. We must persevere, right? We've got a great guest tonight. That's going to make the night even better. Tonight, we're talking to writer, recording artist, and former radio personality, Bobby Jean Ashley. We're going to talk about her new album and, I think, new writing project. So, Bobby, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing all right. Glad to have you on. Now, this is Bobby's second time on the show, and mm-hmm. apparently we didn't scare her away the first time, so we're going to try to be nice, and maybe she'll come <laughs> back again. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. Thanks. So tell us about the new album. I think it's amazing. I'll just put that out there. I think it's awesome. But uh, tell us about how this album specifically came about. This is my second album. And I had decided that I did the first one and then I wanted to do the second one. And I titled it Seventh Sister. Most of the songs just flowed to me and I just decided that it deserved to be released just like the first album. And the title track from the album Seventh Sister is pretty much about myself in the fact that I am the seventh sister. Most of the songs are, actually all the songs were written by me. I wrote the music and the lyrics and I had a lot of fun doing the first album that I just thought, let's do another one. Well, I know that you go down to Nashville to record and you have such an amazing group of people that you get to record with. I don't know if you want to talk any about that. Oh, yeah. This time around, I wasn't able to work with my producer that I worked with on the first album, who was uh, Mike Waldron. He did an amazing job. But Mike turned around and said, hey, since I can't work on it, these guys can. And it was Eli Baird with the Baird Music Group. And so I was able to work with him. And in fact, one of the... One of the musicians that worked with me on the first album actually worked with me on the second one as well. His name's Dane Bryant, and he is the keyboardist from the first album and then also now on the second album as well. And then just to work with with people that have so much experience and have worked with such really well-known artists was a pleasure. It's astonishing to me. It was astonishing on the first album, but as it is on the second one as well. The fact that they can take your words and your music and just bring it to lives. I think the production value is just so amazing on this. And there's so many subtleties that I really enjoyed about when I get to listen to the album and still listen to the album. It is out there for everybody to listen to right now. Is that correct? Yes, it's actually available on all the streaming services. It's also on Amazon and Walmart.com. You can get it on a CD or you can get it through streaming. The digital. Um, yeah, through digital. So it's available m- most places. 
The only thing I haven't been able to do yet is, and that's only because of being able to afford it, is to put it on vinyl, which that's a goal one day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they seem to like that, the vinyl. I'm I'm still a holdout. I did the vinyl before. I had hundreds and hundreds of albums and I got rid of them and I just don't want to go back, but I know they do sound really good. (laughs) Well, yeah, I understand totally. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just wondering how, okay, you said you write the songs you write, the, the the lyrics and the music, yes. or at least you have, is it a rough thing? But my bigger point was like, how do you like to work? Do you like to put this stuff out there to somebody to, to shape and mold your stuff? Or do you find yourself, do you want to collaborate or do you want to be in charge of what the finished product is? Basically, the two times that I worked with these each different producers, the first one was he just, I sent him the words and the music, and he basically worked off of what I sent him. Now, this new producer, Eli Baird, he basically worked with me. We would get together on a Skype call and basically work together to mold the songs ourselves. And I I really liked that process because it made me feel like I was a little more in control of what was going on. So that was nice to to have that happen. Do you find you more satisfied with the product this time around or the same? Or is it more of your baby now? Which child do you love more is what he said. Exactly. (laughs) Here's the thing. I really, I enjoyed working with Mike quite a bit. It was just a different process. I didn't enjoy one over the other. I liked the fact that I felt a little more in control with Eli when I could tell him what I really enjoyed. If a song was going a certain direction, I could tell him, okay, this is the direction that I would like it to go. Whereas with Mike, it was a little bit of a different process. I told him that prior to, but it wasn't the same in the fact that it wasn't happening all at once. Whereas with Eli, it was a together type thing. Whereas Mike would just basically call me and say, okay, which direction would you like for this song to go? We didn't actually sit down and do that together. He basically mapped it out himself from my direction. I don't know, I'm not making sense. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when I do When I do artwork, there's sometimes when the image that I think of in my head is basically what comes out on the canvas. And there's sometimes where it's different and sometimes good. It's different. Good. Sometimes it's different. Uh, I'm not quite as happy with it because it doesn't fit my original vision. Do you find you have a similar experiences with your music? If you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. For example, there was a song on my first album, Buffalo called Golden Rule. What I originally intended for it was it to be more of a blues type style song. And it came out a little more country rather than so much blues. But I did enjoy, you know, how it came out. It just was different from what I had originally envisioned. I would hate to pick a favorite, but I will say this that, and I love the first album, but. This one has an earthier, 
almost more of a you mentioned blues and there is some definite blues on this album and there is you i feel like you've really grown as a vocalist as well on this album i think you've done some different things that i really appreciate so i thought for that i don't think one's better than the other but i do feel like it reaches a little further you know what i'm saying yeah the thing that i've noticed is with this new album seventh sister it's definitely you can tell the progression and the maturity of my writing. The songs are a little more put together than the first one. The, the first one was put together well, but the songs, you can tell how I've matured as a songwriter, I think, but that's just my opinion. I would agree. I think the more that you do something, the better you get at doing that. <laughs> and I think that's what shows in the second album. And also the fact that I was a little more comfortable with this one. The first time I went down there, it was all of a new experience for me. And I had a heck of a time trying to get the butterflies to to calm down in my stomach. And really, both times, they, they both were, were very welcoming and very sweet. And I shouldn't have gotten that nervous, but I did. But I think it's because all these things run through your mind and stuff, and then pretty soon you're... You get to thinking, oh, this person has worked with Joni Mitchell in the past, and he's on my album now. And you think to yourself, I'm not worthy. It's like the Waynes are all saying, I'm not, we're not worthy. When you're doing writing for whatever you're writing, do you find yourself, I'm interested in influences. Like mm-hmm. how I've got to the place now that I don't mind lifting stuff from people I like, because by the time it goes through my filter, it's not that anymore. And I, yeah. I don't, when you're doing either a, a record project or you're writing lyrics or writing uh, prose or whatever, do you want to isolate yourself from influences that you think you'll lift subconsciously or consciously? Or mm-hmm. do you embrace that and allow whatever influences, whether it's your favorite author or your favorite music songwriter or your favorite band or whatever? allow it to to go through you and influence the product how how do you go about like the creation of your art it's a little different from my music my music comes to me almost out of the ether it's weird and i never know when it's going to hit me it's almost like it hits me even in the middle of the night i'll wake up with something in my brain and i have to write it down or, or sing it into my phone just keep it for prosperity and then go back to it. But for the most part, a lot of the songs and stuff that I write come from that perspective, from them just coming in and the inspiration just hitting me all of a sudden. There's actually a song on this album called God's Shoulder. And I wrote it as I was watching a CNN news story on a bus crash involving baseball players from a university in Ohio. They were reporting this bus crash and the loss of some of the folks in that bus, unfortunately. And then all of a sudden, I just, I was tearing up and it had it really affected me in a way that I quite could not understand. And the next thing I know, within five minutes, I've written this song, Words and Lyrics, in five minutes. And it wow. wasn't, I. it's hard to explain. Like, for example, when... One of my favorite artists is Jack White, and he's quoted Michael Jackson as Michael Jackson saying, you know, 
when he writes, he has to let God in the room. And I don't know if it's God or or, or whatever you want to call it, you know. All I know is that sometimes they just happen. Now, on the flip side, on this album, there's a song called Open Up the Flame, which I wrote for a friend of mine who is producing a short film based on the short story by Kate Chopin called The Storm. I read the short story, and basically that's where that song came from. So it was inspired from that story because that's what it's going to be used for is in that short film. And so uh, that's pretty much how that inspiration comes from. Now, on the book side, I've had books that, you know, like, for example, I wrote my book, Charlie's Fall, off of a song. I was listening to his song, and it was a song by Scarlett called Independent Love Song. And I was listening to the song one night, and then all of a sudden, this idea for this story comes into my head. And within, I think, about a month, within a month, I had written my book, Charlie's Fall. That's very interesting. When you say you had this idea, and within a month, you write it, you had it down. Mm -hmm. Do you just like jot down notes, or do you just go writing right in? I go right in and just let it lead me where I need to be. Now, Charlie, that particular book wrote itself. It just was no time at all. Whereas another book that I wrote right after Charlie called All the Little Moments, that one took a while to write. Of course, it was from a different perspective from Charlie, but at the same time, it took a little while longer to kind of mold and I had to keep track. You, you keep like a bu bulletin board of the different characters and the different aspects of what they're going through throughout the story so that you can keep everything straight. Last question for me for a while. I've been dominating the time too much. So when you look at, you, you've there's different creative muscles for writing prose and stories and music and lyrics. Do you like one more than the other? I'm always fascinated by people that are doing more than one creative thing in completely different mental muscles. And I was wondering, which one do you like the most and which one do you think you're better at? I'm not sure. I personally, my my love and passion it always goes back to music. That's why I became a radio DJ years ago is because of music. And I've been singing music since I was about the age of four and writing it since I was about 14. And that really is my passion. But I love writing stories, too, because I have a fascination with the English language. And to me, you, you take these words and you mold them together and you create a new world. And to me, that's just almost as fascinating as music and stuff. And and so that's something that I find is really the fascinating thing about writing books or poetry or whatnot, depending on what you're writing about. Do you ever encounter writer's block, whether it's writing music or, or writing the story? And then if so, what do you do to overcome that? I And I do encounter that from time to time. And the thing that helps me is I go over it repeatedly. 
I just keep going over it, trying to see if my brain or my creativity will catch that hook and be able to bring it back and bring it forward. But if that doesn't happen, then I have to put it away for a bit. You have stories set aside that you want to finish writing, and even like songs, like partial songs that you feel like you're going to uh, be able to finish later? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, on this new album, there's a song called Sing Me Home that I had written the chorus to a couple years ago and kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it. And then finally, I went on a vacation and rented a cabin on some water and woke up at four o'clock one morning and walked out on the deck. But we're like in the lake, there's fog coming in. And then all of a sudden, here comes all the lyrics all at once. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, that song's done. That's but cool. yeah, two years in the making. When you write a song, what comes to you first? Is it a chorus or a verse or does it vary? It varies. In fact, there's, like I said, when I wrote God's Shoulder, the song came all at once, the lyrics and the music. And within five minutes, the entire song was written. And it just was one of those that just surprised me because you don't ever expect anything to come that quickly. And sometimes, like for example, on this album, there's another song I wrote called In the End. I had written the chorus and then I had also written verses to another song. And I ended up taking the verses from that song and mixing it with the chorus of this other one and coming up with just one song. And so it was nice to be able to take from others that are not finished and finishing up one. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what was the most surprising thing to you about this last uh, time in the studio? The most surprising thing was basically you go back and you hear it after it's been all completed and stuff. And you're sitting there and you're hearing this creation that's all of a sudden fully done and fully completed. And the whole time I was listening to it, I could tell how I had matured a little more since the last one. And it just it made me reflect on that where I was going, okay, yeah, you've grown a little bit this one. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. So I have been looking at, a, you're writing a serial right now, it seems. Yeah. Would you like that to talk one, about that? <laughs> I've toyed around with this one for the last five years because wow. I've had the idea for it for about five years now. And I got to learning a little bit more about Kindle and, and their velas that they have. And I kept putting this book off, kept putting it off, kept putting it off. And then finally I thought, maybe this vela will push me to get this done. Because each week, you got to do at least one or two episodes. And so pushing me into finally getting this idea and this book going. And it's fascinating, but at the same time, it's a little scary because I'm going by the seat of my pants a little bit here. So we'll have to see what happens. But it's called Angel Defender of Humanity. And it's a superhero, but she's not your typical superhero because she's in her mid-40s, early 50s. She's pudgy. Her husband's just left her. She's trying her best. And all of a sudden, she gets these powers, and she has to learn to either embrace them or let them go. 
<laughs> it's a bit always, different. Yeah, you always see folks that it's always a young person that seems to be coming these superhero types and stuff. I thought it might be fun to have a superhero who's not your typical superhero. I mean, she's got so many faults, it's not even funny. But at the same time, she's still a good person and she's got a good heart. And so that's what I wanted to do with this one is, you know, maybe doing a serial in the way that this is done will help me to get this story out there and quit delaying it because I kept putting it off. And so <laughs> we'll see how it works. It's my first time trying one of those. Yeah. That sounds fun. I I like the idea of doing something, a little twist on something that, that quite frankly, feels a little tired right now. The genre feels a little tired and freshening it up with some new ideas, I think is really interesting. One of the ideas I had thought about, I don't have time to deal with it, but the idea of a superhero is like a, an elite boxer or fighter who's taken too many punches and they're trying to deal with not being able to to do it like they used to be able to do it and that sort of change but that's a really cool at least i think in my mind at least it it has potential to be a uh a real niche like you you're creating a a real place now if you ever sell the movie rights they're going to take a hot 45 year old or 40 year old actress she that's the thing that I wanted to make sure it, it, is that it, it mentions in there she is about 20 pounds overweight and she's older. She's her husband's left her for this younger woman and she's having to deal with that and having a hard time dealing with that. And then along comes these angels wanting her to become the defender of humanity. And she's, whoa. Wait a second, <laughs> where's this coming from? Because on the flip side, you've got the dark side and they've got their oppressor already. And, and he's an 18-year-old man who's very fit and very put together. And she's thinking, wait a second, you picked me. Oh, but I think people, I wanted to, you know, folks that normally don't get covered in these genres to have a relatable figure. I think it's a really cool idea. And th- that's available on Amazon, right? Yes. And it, we're about six episodes in right now. So I, I seen something where you could read the first three for free or something like that. Oh, yes, you can. That's and cool. That's the neat part about Kindle. And, and with the Vela thing, too, if, if for some reason after I complete this and it's put out there for the masses to see. Kindle or Amazon will allow me to put it into a book form if I want. Oh, that's nice. That's very yeah. cool. So I, I like that. Do you consider yourself a, a publisher, a self-publisher too? There's so many hats you can wear in, in a creative space. There's people that mm-hmm. only want to do... Th- I'm one of these people that I'd rather, all I'd rather do is the work and somebody else do the other part, like the marketing and that sort of stuff. What have you learned by self-publishing? What works for you? With self-publishing, you really do 
have to wear all the hats and stuff. It's really hard to make a go of something when you don't have a machine behind you. You know what I mean? You have all these authors who are published through publishing houses and they have this massive machine that's going in behind them. That And that's awesome. And I'm glad they have that. But the thing with the self-publishing is you don't always get that. So you have to do that yourself. There are places that you can hire to do that stuff for yourself. I've never been able to really afford those. I inquired about it. I think it was close to $10,000 just to get one book, to get someone to advertise that for you and to help get it out there to the masses and stuff. And so it's very expensive to do that. And so I've been basically trying it myself and just seeing how it'll go. I write because I enjoy it, and I love getting the stories out there, getting them out of my head and onto the paper. And if they catch on with an audience, then that's that much better. One of the main reasons I do this is because I really enjoy, like I'll get feedback from folks that I've never met saying, you touched me in this instance and stuff. And to me, that's why I do it, so that maybe I can give a little light into someone's world and stuff. Like my last album, Buffalo, I had a song on there called The Hope and the Love. And I got a message from a woman in Scotland saying, and this was around the time of COVID. She sent me a really beautiful message and she said, I just wanted you to know that after hearing your song that I really needed to hear that. Well, that's awesome. And Yeah, when you hear something like that, it makes it all worth it. (laughs) I know you were a very popular radio DJ, and everybody seemed to know you. You have a great persona on radio. And I wondered, does that feed into any of your book writing or anything like that? You are a a well-known name, and maybe not a face, but you were definitely a well-known name. I used to listen to you I, almost every morning when I was working. We'd always get the, it was like Bobby hanging out with us and listen to you spin the records. And you have interviewed some amazing people. You, you did a great job on the radio. And I just wondered if that, because I'm sure people have, have told you on the radio, hey, I just love listening to you and all that. Does that feed into any of the stuff that you're doing now or? Uh, sometimes, like I said, the whole reason I got into radio was because of, of the music, being able to work with music, make your living while you're playing music. And the more that I did it, the more that there was a part of me that say, that was saying, okay, you're not really using your voice to basically get your ideas out there. You're busy playing someone else's music instead of doing your own. And so that kind of was the impetus to, to do my music finally, to get it out there and say, okay, I've played someone's music for 32 years, you know, <laughs> here's mine. Yeah. Piggybacking off that idea, as a radio personality that becomes popular, there is a certain, you have to have a certain likability, a certain charisma to make that work. Mm-hmm. Do you think about that in terms of writing characters and creating stories? Because I would think that someone that has done it has attracted people to things that you're doing. 
mm-hmm. would have a little more insight as to how to write likable characters and maybe more charismatic characters. I definitely try to make sure that the characters are relatable. And that's one thing that I did learn through doing radio is you always have to be relatable. You have to come across and let folks know that, okay, let's have some fun. Let's talk about what's going on in the community, what's going on in our world, and basically open up their day. And so that's the thing that when I do the books and do the music and stuff, I always try to make sure that there's a portion of that that might be relatable to someone. But it may, it's not going to be relatable to everyone because we all walk different paths. But at the same time, you know that inevitably it's going to be relatable to somebody. Yeah, definitely. So what's next for Bobby? What do we have in the future? You got any <laughs> new albums, new book? I know you're going to finish up the, the Vela book. Angel uh, Defender of Humanity. But what what else is going on? Or is that enough? I've I'm I'm busy still promoting Seventh Sister. I mean, because it is only two months old. And I probably should have waited on the Vela. It was one of those things that just is what it is. But yeah, I am still heavily promoting Seventh Sister. And in fact, the title track has now reached eight hundred and twenty views so far on on YouTube, which isn't too bad considering the fact that it's only a few months old. And you're the voice and everything. You're everything behind it. So that's awesome. That's very cool. Also, I wanted to let everybody know that when you look at the artwork on the cover, that's Bobby did that. She's pretty amazing. And when she says you have to do everything, when you're a person like that, she is right. She's doing it all. She's one of my heroes, how she's uh, getting out there and doing things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I get bored really easily sometimes and I find that the the more that I dip into my creative side just the it's, it, it just fulfills your life that much more because not only just doing music and writing and creating in that respect and then working with a lot of my photography and stuff that I do as well it's one of those things that it just it fills my soul and you just have to hope okay maybe Eventually, (laughs) if it reaches the right person, it might inspire them. It might help them with whatever issue or something that they have going on in their lives. And I just have a lot of fun with it. And so it's been a wonderful experience. And to just be able to share these with other folks and to hear their descriptions of how they're finding stuff on how they're, uh, how they relate to these characters and stuff. Like when I wrote, my first book, Sabine in the Spirit Box, I had this one lady tell me, she said, she said, you know, I, I love the character Gabriel. And she knew I was writing the second book. And she said, please don't kill Gabriel. But <laughs> that was fun to, to have someone be so passionate about one of the characters. It's really something when you've created somebody out of basically thin air and then other people care about that person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's a fun part. And then when I had my album release party recently with Seventh Sister, and there was a couple of people crying in the audience from one of the songs. And you look at that, the int- intention wasn't to make them cry, but to, to see that they were physically and emotionally touched by something that you, that you did. It just, it makes you feel really good that that's, something that your art 
was able to do for another person. And the nice thing about that is throughout our lives, we're here to feel things and to experience things and to see that something I created was able to bring that out into another person was wonderful. And I've had that happen for me. And it's nice to see that something I created is doing the same thing as did one of my heroes for me. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Bobby, we, we've probably taken up enough of your time. I do want to know, we know that we can get the album on Amazon. So it's Bobby Jean and it's B-O-B-B-I-E and then mm-hmm. Jean, J-E-A-N, uh, Bobby mm-hmm. Jean. And do, do you have a website? I do have a Here Now website. It's bobbyjeanashley.herenow.com. And if you aren't able to write that down, you can just go to Facebook or Instagram and type in Bobby Jean Ashley and that website will come up because it's in the bio of each of those sites. Also, even if you, I mean, Google your friend, you can Google my name and, and it'll come up with the Facebook or the Instagram accounts and then also the Here Now uh, website as well. And you can hear clips of the songs on there as well. And I do have a YouTube page. And again, that one's under Bobby Jean Ashley. I am not in those videos, but I did produce those videos myself. And <laughs> another thing that Bobby does. That's awesome. <laughs> with the exception of a, a few of them, a few of them I didn't do, but most of them I put together and stuff. And I guess you could say I'm a little bit of a workaholic on creativity, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, don't come alive. What do they say? Idle hands, right? Right. Or no rest for the wicked. Oh, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, that's right. So tonight, what I'd like to do, we're going to say good night. But as we go out, instead of our usual music, I'd like to go ahead and play us all out with Seventh Sister, if that's okay. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been really a, a lovely time, and I appreciate it. Always, uh, you are welcome on the show, and we love you and love to hear your music and read your stuff. I look forward to talking again down the road sometime. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Have a good night, Bobby. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Night. Good night. Have a great (laughs) night. Thank you. Out upon the river where the creatures roam lies a single shack that she calls her home some call her stranger and some call her weak some say she's magic and some say she's me
Some say they love her And some